Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Newsroom Robots, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the news industry. I'm Nikita Roy, data scientist, media entrepreneur, and one of the many founders currently building their ventures at the Harvard Innovation Labs. On the Newsroom Robots, I'm excited to bring you insightful conversations with industry experts about how AI is impacting the way we do journalism. This week's episode is a recording from the Online News Association's Onwards event in September 2023 from a panel on the approaches in AI from two of Europe's public broadcasters. Joining me on the panel is Miranda Marcus, the head of BBC's News Labs, and Uli Koppen, the head of AI and Automation Lab and the co-lead of BR Data at Germany's public broadcaster, Bavarian Broadcasting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this panel discussion on approaches in AI from two of Europe's public broadcasters. I'm Nikita Roy, and I'm the host of the Newsroom Robots podcast, and I'm excited to be here today to moderate this very important discussion about AI and learn more about the different ways that these two public broadcasters have been using AI to improve their operations and serve their audiences. So joining us today from the BBC, we have Miranda Marcus who leads BBC News Labs. It's an interdisciplinary innovation team that combines software engineering and journalism. And the team works collaboratively across BBC News, BBC World Service, and BBC Product. Also joining us is Olivia Koppen. She is the head of the AI and Automation Lab and co-lead of the investigative data team, BR Data, at Bavarian Broadcasting, which is Germany's public broadcaster. Uli as well works with an interdisciplinary team of journalists, coders, and product developers to form the strategy for using AI and automation for journalism. And so I'm really excited to have both of them get deeper into how AI has been a part of their newsroom so far, because today I think we stand at this pivotal juncture where technology and artificial intelligence is really reshaping the way we are thinking about news production and 
And we have been at an interesting point today where AI advancements have been bringing about really significant gains for us to reimagine and innovate what its role could look like in newsrooms. And this year, especially, we have witnessed a significant surge in the attention towards AI, thanks to the emergence of generative tools like ChatGPT. And these developments have propelled us into an AI hype cycle. But AI has been a part of the newsroom for a while, really helping out with the entire news production cycle. And for several years, broadcasting corporations like BBC, Bavarian Broadcasting have been innovating with AI. And so I'm really excited to talk to Oli and Miranda today, who have been at the forefront of leading AI innovation within their respective newsrooms to see how AI has already been impacting their role in the newsrooms and well, how are they thinking about generative AI today? So to kick off our discussion, I'd like to start with you, Oli, to get an understanding of the landscape of AI adoption in your newsroom. Bavarian Broadcasting had their AI ethics guideline back in 2020. You were quite early on compared to how everyone's now thinking about AI ethics. And so I want to start over there with you. Could you give us an overview of how AI is being utilized in your newsroom and what are the main areas of its application? Sure. Thanks for having me. First, Nikita, it's an honor to be here. Um, we had an internal AI day a few months ago, and that gave us the chance to, to see how broadly we are already using AI and automation at Bavaria Broadcasting. It's more or less in a whole new cycle. Our team is using AI and automation for investigation and also for product. For investigation, we're using it twofold. We're using it as a tool, for example, for image recognition to sift through large amounts of data that helps us there or for bulk translation as a tool just to find findings. <laughs> we also are investigating AI. So we are using the skill set we're having in our team to, to look into AI, how we want to use AI and automation as a society. And we're telling stories in that field. And we're using it for product, as I said, as um, tools for the newsroom that helps them, for example, language services or as a summarizer. And we are working on solutions for public service personalization. This is broadly the focus on the work we're doing in our three teams. That's a nice overview of like how AI has really been impacting and significantly augmenting all the different sides of AI operations and editorial processes. I'd like to go to you, Miranda. Could you share about more about how BBC's journey with AI has been? Yeah, of course. And again, also, thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be here and to be talking this through with Lily and yourself. So the BBC has also been working with machine learning and automation for quite some time. Definitely, Bavarian Radio were ahead of us, but we published our machine learning ethics principles a couple of years ago as well. And the use of data has been something and capability that the organisation has been really embracing for quite some time. In terms of projects that are live, that are available, this is not generative projects. This is other forms of machine learning and automation. We've got a really big range of different different types of uses. So we've got all the way through from synthetic voices for local weather, all the way through to computer vision to detect highlights on live broadcast to, to allow audiences to interact more dynamically with live streams and breaking news. 
There's a lot of behind the scenes work. So things like automated tagging, which just means it's better for content discovery, for knowledge management, for all of those invisible activities, which if we if we can automate them, then it allows journalists to really focus on doing the best quality journalism that they, they can instead of tagging articles, for example. But obviously that massively helps things like recommendation engines. And there's a huge opportunity there for, as we said, public service broadcast driven personalization and making sure that we're really providing value for different types of communities and audiences. And of course, there's also media monitoring and transcription and translation is a massive part of what we do. BBC is obviously, there's a lot of English output, but also we broadcast in 42 languages and we have a big anti-disinformation and a media monitoring team as well. So there's a really broad range of different applications. I think what we're looking at now is how we can take that even further the ways that we could be using automation, even for things like software production, for example, there's a whole load of unanswered questions that we're working through at the moment. So yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah, all the way from like battling disinformation with AI, which can really help us with a lot of its capabilities and all the way to software production, which is also a really tedious task in, in newsrooms. I really love hearing more about people and how they are excited about and inspiring about successful newsroom AI projects. And so, Miranda, I'd like to get back to you and start off with, is there a particular AI project that you have that you're particularly excited about in your newsroom? And how has that inception process been like and implementation in the newsroom? I'm going to talk about transcription and translation, which some people may feel is the less glamorous side of AI and automation. But for us, I think it actually potentially is a massive game changer. As I mentioned, we've got the world service in 42 languages. And historically, transcription and translation just hasn't necessarily, as, as soon as you take it out of, for example, English with a clear known received pronunciation English accent or certain American accents, uh, the quality of those transcriptions just goes way down. So the actual production use cases are very minimal. And then when you come to translation, again, you've got great translation on certain languages, but on other languages, which are really, really important, such as Serbian or Hungarian, particularly if you're thinking about certain geopolitical areas like the Eastern Bloc, then it's just quicker for people who are native speakers to do those translations directly. But as we move into a new age, the world service is moving into a much more digital, digital strategy with a lot more collaboration across language teams. The, the fact that we've got things like Whisper, which isn't a generative model, but it is really capitalizing on these new advances, uh, advances around large language models is fundamental. The amount of error rates is so low and it unlocks so many different, you know, onwards capabilities. Certainly for news production, for investigation, for monitoring, for reversioning, for sharing news across different regions, but also for just the pure metadata production that comes from it and what you can do in terms of new forms of news production, flexible media, things like that. So I think that it's, yeah, it doesn't get talked about maybe as much as it should, the transcription side of things. Yeah, the translation, transcription, it's a really tedious process within newsrooms. And I think this has been, quite, as you were saying, a game changer, really. 
really for a world service like the BBC to understand how this could really make a difference. And Oli, what about you? You've been working on a lot of investigative pieces, a lot of AI, different products. What's been an exciting project and happening at Bavarian Broadcasting? As Miranda was talking about reversioning, I want to dive more into that and also into public service personalization. Because we're just a few days away from beta launch we're doing, we are working for quite some time now on a prototype. We call it internally Remix Regional, and perhaps you have met me at some conferences talking about it in an excited way, and now we're launching it. So I want to give you a glimpse into what we're launching in a few days. So it's a personalized regional audio update. And we're using the linear audio, as I said, it's reversioning. Uh, we're fragmenting it with an algorithm into different use bits. You're tagging it. And then we are recombining it according to personal regional preferences. So you can get located by an app or you can type in a zip code. And then an algorithm does a personalized version of the news for you that happened around a certain place. And users are quite excited about that because they're interested in certain places, for example, where they come from or where their parents live or where they live now. And they want to know what happened there. And this gives us a glimpse on what might be possible in the future for audio and for personalized audio. And we also call those projects Trojan Unicorns because it helps us to make our infrastructure better and to solve a challenge that is bigger than only this product. So what we are doing there is we're building up a new metadata infrastructure for our broadcaster. And down the road, hopefully, we will be able to, to personalize our news in ways we don't imagine right now, perhaps. Yeah, personalization, a really big one. And I think audio personalization has a huge potential. But that also brings me to this new big hot topic that we have this year of generative AI. There's a lot of talk of personalization over there as well. How have your newsrooms been approaching this? Miranda, what's the BBC's take on generative AI and what's been the work over there like? Although we haven't published any formal guidance or positioning yet, so I wouldn't want to trump a lovely press release, which is pending any day now. But with caution is the short version. There is clearly, I'm sure everybody on this call is very aware of the amount of opportunities, the amount of discussion, the, the general focus that different opportunities are having and, and a and general understanding of where the applications for different generative models might be. But obviously, as the BBC, we really need to be understanding the risks and, and and really where the actual tangible benefits are in the short and medium term if we're looking at um, things like workflow optimizations because actually a lot of them seem to be on quite small parts of the if you think about you know something has happened in the world and all of the workflow until there's an article published on bt news page there's an enormous complex workflow that happens between there, where are those moments that optimization and using generative models might really be able to, to help? They're actually probably quite small, but they will have a massive impact when aggregated. So there's a real sort of piece of work happening to understand those opportunities and the risks and the processes that we need to be putting in place to make sure that we are innovating in a responsible way. So yeah, a lot of workshops, I would say. So you're balancing innovation with caution right now with generative AI. And I'm looking forward to that press release from BBC and seeing how AI, generative AI has been thinking, you're thinking about. Yes. I just want to categorically say, though, that there is nothing that's going out onto our public channels that is created by generative models right now. Nothing is happening there right now. Any innovation is happening in 
internally in secure in secure ways it is not deployed into production at this time yeah, the risks and the hallucinations of generative AI models really make it quite risky approach right now to have that user interface, right? So, Uli, how has the Bavarian Broadcasting been experimenting with generative AI? I would say cautious and excited, both. <laughs> and I will make the same disclaimer as Miranda just did. So we are not publishing anything user-facing right now with generative models because of the danger of false facts, hallucination. But it also gave us the possibility to experiment in a much faster way. Our product manager, she said, we are rapid prototyping right now. <laughs> I'm quoting her because we really get up to speed right now with those large language models. Uh, you can experiment in a safe environment because of course, we're doing it in a sandboxed way. We're not publishing anything user-facing. But when you're prototyping, you can build up an infrastructure that allows you to try out different models. So you're having one interface, and then you can plug in different models. This is what our natural language generation expert is doing right now. And every weekly, he's coming with new results, new ideas, new product ideas. And we're also having an internal format. It's called AI Toolbox, where a lot of people are meeting and uh, talking about um, ideas. And people are really coming with great ideas from the newsroom. And this is what changed, because people are putting their fingers on AI right now, and they're testing it. They're, well, just using it for fun. And this creates new ideas and a new creative energy within our broadcaster, and I really love that. And of course, we have to channel that. We have to find way how to use it in a safe way. And uh, as you said, we published our guidelines already in 2020. Now we're doing a new version of it. And we're also working on guidelines, internal guidelines, how we want to use AI, generative AI, and where, of course, we have to be cautious. But this is just the beginning of this whole thing. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. And I love the, the different products and solutions that are on the horizon. Yeah, I'd like to get deeper into that. You're talking about all of this rapid prototyping that your team has been doing. Have there been instances where all of these like AI applications have not been working the way you thought it would and faced these setbacks or failures? How are you addressing or mitigating those impacts? Of course, I mean, that happens all the time when you're experimenting that things not go the way you thought it would go. <laughs> so we started to prototype with large language models already way before ChatGPT, and we worked on a summarizer. And the summarizer put the word Nazi in front of a name. And as you can imagine, in Germany, that's a big deal, as it would be anywhere in the world. But it was really, I mean, it was the worst use case that could happen. Uh, just imagine a journalist using this tool and then you are not noting this kind of mistake that would just be horrible. So there are mistakes, there are horrible mistakes done by large language models and we have to we have to see how this goes. But the development of those language models are so fast that there are new developments every week. And well, this is where we have to be still cautious, but still excited, I would say. Yeah, it's quite a nuanced challenge, balancing that innovation with caution together. And I would say, Miranda, I want to learn more about like, what do you see the primary challenges of incorporating AI within the newsroom has been like for you? Are you more interested in generative? Because that's like a very new frontier or for talking about automation. I think they're actually really different. And it's really useful, I think, to, to think through the challenges in a bit more specificity. So there's cultural challenges mm -hmm. where people are saying, I can just do this quicker or better myself. But if we 
build the culture where people can collaborate. As you say, I really appreciate the way that you're um, talking, Uli, about having the caution, but also having that creativity and that excitement and sort of, and having that environment where people can come and play. Like, I think some of the challenges historically has been that that hasn't necessarily been the culture within the newsroom because of really good reasons, because journalists are incredibly strapped for time. And if something isn't meeting their needs immediately, then, you know, what's the point of playing with it? So I think that there's something really exciting about the kind of hype and the the new kind of areas of possibilities the feeling of new possibility that these new models are are bringing because that hasn't necessarily happened with previous forms of automation where you'd have to have kind of big models that get retrained that need to get managed and as soon as their quality goes down it can be really hard to kind of continue with having that buy-in so yeah i think that that's something that's really that's hopefully going to change soon other challenges with implementing automation is around being able to understand the impact of it, particularly if you're putting things out to, to audiences. So I think that all the stuff that's uh, on the horizon around personalization is so exciting. And we're doing a whole load of work around how we can tell modular stories. So stories that are, have a kind of similar framework, but maybe are made more specific to a particular location or a particular context for different audiences or served in different formats. And that's so exciting, but figuring out how we really understand the genuine value there not just the do people click on it more but does it help them engage with the news is it actually addressing those fundamental challenges that journalism faces at the moment that relate to news avoidance that's something that we really haven't solved yet either I feel like artificial intelligence, we use this like broad term right now. A lot of people think about it as generative AI, but we have like this huge bucket of different subsets of artificial intelligence that has already been implemented. We have speech, we have computer vision, we have recommendation algorithms, and all of them have their own place in the newsroom and it's already being used, right? And I think each of them has its own challenges. Just to get deeper into that as well, Miranda, I'm wondering if there is anything like specific with you being a British Broadcasting Corporation specific to the UK. Is there any like specific challenge that you have to consider regionally when building your AI products? I wouldn't say necessarily there's anything that I'm aware of that's specific to the UK that other broadcasters in other countries aren't going to be grappling with. There's different policy considerations and, and legal considerations depending on different country you're in, what region you're in, and your own organization. I think the BBC, as many other public service broadcasters, has quite a challenge of making sure that it can justify the use of tools when it comes to the uncertainties around any potential negative consequences. We have a real responsibility to make sure that we are serving the UK UK public and, and UK citizens and we're not reinforcing negative societal context. And that and that's so again, it's so difficult to measure that and to understand Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
and what the impact is going to be there whilst balancing the excitement and the opportunities for innovation and the opportunities for doing new forms of journalism in innovative ways. So I, I don't think there's anything specific to the UK, but I think there is something specific to being a public service broadcaster. Uli, how about in Germany? How has the approach to AI been like? Have you been having any like regional considerations over there? Are people more excited in Germany about AI in the newsrooms? I guess excitement is uh, right now globally existing, but I will say that, for example, data, data protection and data in general is a topic people are really taking serious. So there are rules around the world, but here we have strong unions and we have really strong opinions on data protection. So the use of AI is restricted a little bit more than in other countries, I would feel. And this is a good thing because people are really like not thinking that technology is bringing the only solution. And this is also holding us back from trying out something new. But right now, I think the balance is quite good because we have all this excitement with generative AI and people are really diving into, into those tools and trying them out. And then you have this German beware of taking my data and hands off my data attitude. <laughs> that uh, is quite a good balance, I feel. Yeah, I think that's really interesting about the different data laws everywhere and how people are thinking about AI and it's really important and the deep consideration that you might be having to have different in different places. Also, just I'm curious, since you have been working in AI for such a long time, what advice would you have in terms of for people who are getting their feet wet with AI right now? Has there been any big lesson learned during your initial stages of incorporating AI into the newsroom that you would like to share with people joining us today? Miranda, if you'd start with you. I think it's all about playing, you know, particularly with these new models. Have a play, but do it safely. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of really trying to figure out where that value is and, and what the possibilities are, and then mapping it into who the users are. Like, obviously, you've got two sets of users that we're always thinking about. We're thinking about journalists who are actually going to be using the tooling, trying to balance those two sets of stakeholders or beneficiaries is really important because you've always got to think about it all the way through. And obviously the data considerations, like where is the data coming from? Is it good quality? How are you going to make sure that you're safeguarding it so your output is always the best quality? Yeah, a lot of considerations there. And Uli, what about you? You've been doing this as well for a really long time and you built out your AI team as well at Bavarian Broadcasting. What would you say for newsrooms who are getting started in this AI adoption? The first message you won't like because you have to deal with uh, things that are really not sexy in journalism, like infrastructure, APIs, CMSs. I mean, it always comes down to your content management system. If you can use it in the right way, if it is modular enough, if you can inject automated stuff, and usually the answer is no, <laughs> because we all have content management systems that are quite old and then we have to deal with it we have to find workarounds but i guess ai and also the, the data-driven publishing age is the best time to think about your infrastructure your apis you have to have between your legacy systems perhaps you even have to touch those legacy systems and renew them so those long-term decisions is something we have to get done. And uh, this is something I always am lobbying for also with senior management, because those are the big decisions we have to we have to make. So that's the big wheel. And then uh, things that are 
I would say easier to achieve is the people focus because people are core. If people are afraid of uh, those tools and if they think um, AI will take their job away, then they won't really love what you're bringing to the newsroom. And this is what is core, I would say. You really have to solve problems that are there. You have to find people who understand those problems and who are bridging the technology journalism gap. Um, those people are really core to those operations. We call them tech translators. So people who understand the newsroom and who understand technology and who can speak both languages. So I think that is core. But having someone like that in the newsroom, even just one person, really is a good start. And then a lot of learning everywhere, I would say. <laughs> can I just pick up on that point that you just made that you have to solve problems that are actually there? I think that's like... I really, really celebrate that because I think that there's so much excitement about like completely very speculative, very exciting, slightly longer term opportunities when it comes to automation and AI, but actually solving the problems that are there that are going to really create value for people like that is really critical building block to getting that organizational buy-in and then having the capacity to to properly implement and think about those those more longer term, possibly slightly more foundational changes as well. And it doesn't often get championed quite as much, like really solving the problems that are actually there is good. Yeah, rather than just thinking about where AI can just fit into the newsroom, but actually what the problems are and how AI can possibly help solve it. And maybe it's AI is not always the solution, but figuring out what the best problem would be to solve with AI there. I think, Miranda, also, how have you been thinking about all of these emerging trends in AI that have been coming about? And more specifically, what are you looking forward to right now with AI adoption? We've had a lot of excitement in AI and a lot of interest now in AI within the newsroom. So what are you looking forward to as we work more into the future and incorporate AI in the newsroom? Well, I am very much looking forward to when the BBC is comfortable with talking in public about our approach to generative models and that we have that infrastructure in place because to enter the previous point, that infrastructure, both cultural, legal, technical, et cetera, is critical for being able to actually get impact from your experimentation. Um, but in terms of trends in the technology side, I'm really interested in what's going to happen with multimodal models where you have visual capabilities mixed in with text capabilities mixed in with audio capabilities. I think that's going to unlock so many really, really interesting potential uses and lower the barriers to certain uses as well. So for example, when you right now, there's a lot of real folk, really interesting focus and a lot of interesting learnings around prompt engineering. At the point when you can talk with a model, that's a very different type of interface. It's a very different type of cognitive uh, interaction. And I'm very interested about where we can apply that to knowledge management within the BBC and really making sure we're finding and using all of our content most effectively. And I think I also have to touch upon with like the future AI and elections coming about, disinformation being a huge threat. Miranda, you've been working on like Project Origin and like BBC has been working a lot about on disinformation. What role are you looking at these tools helping combat disinformation with AI? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because we don't actually know how much of a problem it's going to be or where the problem is going to really manifest, but we know that it's very likely to manifest. We already have a significant amount of disinformation coming from different areas and we have a team who are at the forefront of forensic journalism in order to identify that and report about it. One of the things about Project Origin is that that's an attempt or a, a very large project, especially the C2PA 
standard is around allowing audiences and uh, users to identify and make and to, to see the data that's associated, the provenance information that's associated with different media so that they can make their, deci- their own decisions. And I think that that's going to be an absolute game changer, but it takes a huge amount of effort across the media production and distribution community to get us there. And it doesn't necessarily have immediate payoffs. So I think that there's a lot of really interesting work there, but there's still quite a long way to go. When it comes to countering disinformation for elections, that is such a fascinating and really, really nuanced topic particularly of where a public service broadcaster needs to weigh in because it needs to be providing the right information so that people can sense check when anti when misinformation is available to them, but also building trust because we know that trust in a lot of mainstream news providers is going down with a lot of different audiences. So finding ways of being transparent about how we got to that information is also really critical. Content provenance is going to become such a huge issue as AI generated content just like fills up the internet, especially when critical times like elections come about. Oli, also you have a lot of experience with like holding AI accountable um, and doing a lot of work in that regard. What are you looking forward to in the coming future with AI adoption into the newsroom? What are you excited about there? Well, on the product side, I really look forward to experimenting more with large language models because it's also good for investigating investigative data, like having a model and then having a package of data and then make sure that it's not hallucinating. (laughs) That would be a perfect equation because then you could even talk to your data. As you said, you can talk to a model and then get a result and then you don't have to sift through all the data. It would be a completely new way of data analysis and you can combine it with uh, traditional data analysis methods and that would be very, very exciting. Also, how we can make our content more accessible, as Mirana said internally, that we can find our content in the right moment and also for our audience. Because there are, I guess, really new ways how media can be consumed. It's not only the format, it's not only the podcast, it's also the information that's out there. And then perhaps it's kind of a form of agnostic how you want to consume the news in the future. And I don't know how this will look like, but we're really exploring that right now and others are. And I'm really looking forward to that, how people will access news in the future. And concerning the investigative part, I guess the beat algorithmic accountability reporting is getting more and more important. I see more and more newsrooms picking that up around the world. And we've just put out a white paper because sometimes when we go to conferences, it seems to be kind of not very encouraging for people who are alone out there because they're investigative journalists. They don't have a big tech team that is supporting them. And then there are means how to investigate algorithms. And we've published that in the white paper that you can also do experiments You can have legal means like FOIA, you have GDPR to discover what's out there and you can get information on algorithms and on automation, how governments, how firms are using automation in a way that is perhaps harmful for society. And I would love to see more of that debate going on because I guess we have to raise data literacy, we have to raise AI literacy that is part of our mission as public service broadcaster. And there are different ways to do that. First is uh, explanatory journalism, and then investigative journalism plays for sure also a role in that. 
Yeah, I think algorithmic accountability, making sure that these AI models are really held to task. And you have a lot of experience with this investigation pad. Just want to quickly touch upon what do you think are the top key questions when you're thinking about introducing all of this AI into your newsroom? What are the key questions you're thinking about in terms of like bias, hallucination? And through your investigations, how has that been a key consideration when you're thinking about AI to solve problems? I guess I would always look at the the problem you're solving because there's a lot of enthusiasm for tools right now, but right now I would focus on the problem and then I would look for tools that would help you there. And then very often it's not really AI that is helping you. And very often we are looking at cases where automation can help you or where journalism as a craft is helping you. You were talking about fact-checking and automation and I'm in a constant conversation with our fact-checking team because I'm always kind of anxiously looking at what is coming there, if we need more automation skills in our fact-checking team. But right now they say, well, we're fact-checking everything in a, in a more or less traditional way. We have to have journalism there, journalists sitting at their desk and uh, talking to people and making sure, for example, with the help of automation and OSINT, if something really happened, if it happened at a certain place, but it's, it's a craft. And I guess we have a very good basis on where we are standing on, um, I would say. Mm -hmm. And this is also the the message we always have for people who are in the newsroom and who are afraid that AI might take their jobs. It won't because you need those journalists, you need a journalistic skill set, you need a journalistic ethics to really be able to deliver on what we have to do as public service broadcasters. And AI and automation, they are really just tools. They are very mighty tools and they change the way how we work, but they don't change our, the basis where we are standing on, I would say. Yeah, AI can go out and report and develop sources and create that human connections that we can do as journalists as well. And rather than just generate language right now with the large language models. It's been such an insightful discussion so far, and I really want to make some time for audience Q&A. And we've got a question right now that's come out. It's what's the current problem that's in your newsroom right now that you think could be solved using AI in the future? So... Miranda, let's start with you. Well, there's a lot. And again, if we're talking about AIs and generative AI or more forms of traditional automation, it is, I think, actually a different question. In terms of generative, we're seeing there being loads of opportunity around freeing up the parts of the journalist workflow where actually it doesn't necessarily need that human editorial judgment. So, for example, this is a really small example, but just to illustrate, you've written, a, you're an article, you're a journalist, you've written an article, you've got a headline. You then need to write five different versions of that headline to different character counts, one for SEO, one for the front page, one for social, etc. Reversioning that actually takes you, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes because you've got to count characters, but an LLM can do that almost immediately and you can sub it almost immediately because there isn't necessarily a large overhead of editorial considerations. We've still got a human in the loop there, but you've saved that one journalist 20 minutes in a day. If you've got a desk that's producing 10 articles a day, on aggregate, you've got something, you've really freed up a lot of time there. So you've got that kind of time-saving type of thing. Then you've got the insights, the news-gathering type of thing, which Udi's been talking around. Where are the stories that we currently don't know about? 
that machines might help us be able to find. If we're thinking about using OSINT open source data in order to, you know, the UK, this is what I will say about the UK, the UK has a very, very sophisticated public data infrastructure. There is an enormous amount of very high quality public data and there is an enormous overhead on journalists to be able to trawl through it. And if you're, for example, a local journalist, you probably don't have the time, the resources, maybe the skills in order to do that. So platforms for news gathering is a massive opportunity there. I think that there's, when it comes to particular stories, there's also a bit of a tension between tooling and models to get insights for particular investigations. So for example, obviously there's a huge amount of coverage right now for and has been and probably unfortunately will be for a long time of the war in Ukraine and understanding what's happening in that conflict using computer vision, for example, from satellite imagery, there's a big opportunity there. But that's for a particular story. So we're really kind of understanding what we need to do in order to identify the editorial topics that will require and have benefit and have value for investing in the development of custom models over time. So, for example, trench detection, the Russians are building a lot of trenches in certain areas, can we monitor that over time? That type of thing is really, really exciting, but how we operationalize that into daily workflows is a really open question, which I am excited to work on. So if I understand that right, you're thinking like custom, like fine-tuned large language models for like different, different tasks is kind of like a future. What's the future you're seeing over there with like the large language model? So a journalist has a question about a particular event that's happening in the world. How quickly can we turn around custom models in order to get good quality information that still wouldn't necessarily be the article, the thing that's published in the article, but that really allows journalists to understand where there might be a story and what the information that they need to fact check and validate is. Where can we use, for example, computer vision to find stories that currently we just can't see? I think a lot of potential there with computer vision, all of the different subsets of AI that you can like combine together to help journalists get information really quickly. And Uli, how about you? What problem is there right now in your newsroom that you think AI can really help play a role in? As Miranda said, a million. It's really a lot. <laughs> and well, I can pick up some of the examples Miranda just said. I would say pattern recognition for satellite data would be really interesting. We've already experimented with, well, different algorithms to, to recognize those patterns. And there are so many topics from food to agriculture to environment that you can do as an investigative and as a climate journalist, for example, with computer vision, as you said, as a tool for investigations. Also, the reversioning, this is part of our public service personalization um, strategy to really offer the news in a more seamless way that we can produce and then distribute the news in a way that people really like. For example, a long, short video audio that you don't have to make the choice. You're really reached in a way that is that is nice and enjoyable for you. I guess that is one of the most important tasks we have in the distribution in the future because people are avoiding news and they're also avoiding news because they have a very seamless experience somewhere else. And we have to be able to, to reach that goal as well as public service broadcasters. And then the metadata workflows, uh, the tedious work journalists really hate, like typing in the geolocation, typing in the persons. This is something where you can really work with automation and where people in the archives are already do working with automation and this will get better and better. And you can build also products on top of that, like Remix Regional is really building on top of metadata and you can then personalize in a way that 
well, you couldn't do before. And all those things are taking away tedious, way from, uh, tedious work from the newsrooms. And also you have a creative part you can build on top of that. And this is what always gets me excited. Yeah, I think so. I really like a laundry list of problems and ways in which AI can help us solve them in the future. And I'm really excited to kind of get to that point where AI is like more seamlessly introduced into the newsrooms and the work that you're doing, but always having a human in the loop and journalists are going to be always needed to be part of that human connection that we do through our news. And I think this has just been like such an enlightening discussion. I want to thank you both for your time. You are working at one of the most exciting areas right now with AI and newsrooms. And it's really exciting to hear about all the work you're doing. So thank you so much and thank you to everyone who's joining us thank you Nikita thank you for having me that was Miranda Marcus the head of BBC's News Lab and Uli Koppen the head of AI and Automation Lab and co-lead of BR Data at Germany's public broadcaster Bavarian Broadcasting Thanks to the Online News Association for hosting this panel. This episode is made possible thanks to the Harvard Innovation Lab's Spark Grant. I'm Nikita Roy, and this is Newsroom Robots. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.